this week's episode, we talk about the unexpected twist of Die Issue 3, the strange potential title of Star Wars Episode 9, and then chat a little bit about how politics are used in comics. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back everybody. As always, I am T, here with Chris. I'm here too. He's always here. That's a good you can't thing. get rid of me. I know. But I'm okay with it. I like it. I agreed to it. <laughs> I I I knew what I was signing up for. Mostly. Yeah, for... Mostly. Hope you guys are having a good week. Hope you guys are starting to come out of the frigid tundra cold. Yeah, the horrid polar vortex has subsided. The frozenness of death. But I think, well, I know, you know, where we are, we're getting up into the 80s this week. Because mm-hmm. we're awesome. I know some of you are not going to defrost for a really long yeah, time. Yeah, for a while. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the fun part of having not really winters. We have, we have stint of winter. Stinters. We have stinters. <laughs> not actual winter. But I like it. Anyway, I guess we're supposed to talk about comics or something, right? Yeah. Is that why we're here? Usually. Yeah. Cool. Often. Cool. Well, what did you read? This week, Batman 64 came out. It's the start of a crossover between Batman and Flash uh, okay. called The Price. Uh, it's pretty good. I, I'm, it's a Heroes in Crisis crossover. First issue introduced some stuff. We see a very, like guilt-ridden Batman and kind of distracted trying to make everything work flash and they're working together to figure something out brings Gotham girl back in who was a character that appeared in I think the early like first story arc in um Batman Rebirth so she's back doing stuff her brother may or may not be back I don't know it's cool I'm excited to see where it goes um, the first issue was pretty good. It's worth picking up if you like Batman and Flash working together. Um, which the last time they did that was the Button crossover, which introduced the whole like Watchmen coming into the main universe kind of thing. Yeah, so it's so, been a while. It's been a while. Nice. Um, and then I read Die number three, which we've talked about Die on here before. But if you're not reading Die, you need to be. That's my boo. I haven't I haven't yep. read it yet. Kieran Gillen, Stephanie Hans doing that one. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, first issue set up the premise really, really well. The second issue continued on that. And then this third issue just comes out of nowhere and is an homage to a famous author. I won't spoil it too much because it'll really like spoil the tone if I say who. But um, it's beautifully written. It references war and like the tolls of war. And it's just rich with references and the tone from this author without being overly consumed or like lambasted by it (laughs) you know what i mean like without being like oh god more references um but it's great like it's another i know i said this last episode about the uh heroes in crisis but it's another one of those issues that i put down and i was like man that was just beautiful like just so well done so Die is definitely worth picking up. The third issue's out, so it's only three issues deep. I think the first issue might be kind of gaining some traction, and the third 
party market. Um, but chances are you could probably still find it for cheap at your local comic shop. Man, that's why I love Kieran Gillen. I'm not caught up on issue three yet. I'm bad. I'm terrible. Shame on me. Um, but he's just so smart. Like, everything mm-hmm. he writes is so well-researched and thoughtful and literary mm-hmm. is probably the best word I can think about it. And that's one of the reasons why I was immediately drawn to his writing style. It's just because he makes you feel smart. Yeah. You read it, you're like, man, I read that, so I'm smart now. It's I, like a, I am a scholar. Yeah, it's like, I read War and Peace. No, you read a comic, but good for you. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, I read, um, I had a couple number ones. Mm-hmm. I had um, the new Daredevil is out. Cool. Chip Starsky. Yeah. It is. And up- Chip Chetto? Was yes. that his name? Yes, Chichetto. Chichetto. I think it's Chichetto. Chichetto. It could yeah. just be my suburbanese popping yeah. out, but I, I say Chichetto. Chichetto. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yep. That's what it is. That's his new name. It's official. Head cannon. <laughs> but um, it's beautiful. It's beautifully drawn. It's mm-hmm. beautifully written. It's long. It's very dark. It's all, It's so interesting for me to have seen the journey of Chip Starsky because he just started off so kitschy and goofy and humor-based, and now he's kind of known as the writer that has heart. Like, the, I actually read the afterword of that, of this first issue that I think was written by one of the editors, and it's just all, he's basically like, you know, when we were talking about what we we're going to do with Daredevil next, because it kind of feels like every time we write Daredevil, we write him into worse and worse and worse circumstances. And how mm-hmm. is the next writer supposed to top that? And the most recent run of Daredevil basically killed him. So to do this new, you know, run, they said the only person we could think of to do it was going to be Chip because he writes everything with heart. Everything he writes, it might not be the most monumental in terms of plot points or whatever, Mm -hmm. but what he writes is going to move you. And I think that was the direction they wanted to take. And I, I like it. I mean, it's thoughtful. It's a good tone. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. I I like the direction they're going with it. Um, It kind of feels similar to the show. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool. There's definitely some parallels there. So if you like the show, this would be a good one to get started. I've never read a Daredevil comic before, so I'm I'm kind of bummed. Yeah, neat. Yeah. Cool. The other book I read is so different. <laughs> um, Female Furies. It's a new DC title. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a team of powerful ladies, including the likes of, like, Big Barda. Um yeah. They're working for Granny Goodness, who is in the ranks of Darkseid. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially just a book about how misogynistic pigs are misogynistic pigs. <laughs> and I'm not and, and how yeah, no. women who were bred into this misogynistic pighood, mm-hmm. instead of combating against it, kind of get wrapped up into it and play Hmm. along and just sort of like dig themselves into deeper holes. Like that's basically the whole premise is that Darkseid and his crew of douchebaggery 
<laughs> have scorned Granny Goodness so long that she can't see how her and her girls could do better. She just sees how she keeps getting slighted and so she needs to keep doing whatever Darkseid and his cronies want. Yeah. More and harder and faster and better. Instead of seeing... It, it's it's total, like, forest for the trees. Like... Mm-hmm. And it's just ridiculous, you guys. It's painful. Like, mm-hmm. there is a whole section... Of one page that is essentially a beauty pageant, <laughs> including a bathing suit competition and a bake-off. I like, saw, yeah, I saw, I was flipping through it, I saw they had, like, a smile competition, which I think is funny. Yeah, the smile competition was the bathing suit competition. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> off. there's, these girls get groped, oh, and... It's, it's so offensive. It's so offensive, and this whole time you're like, why aren't you just... You know, rising up and kicking all of their asses because they're all awful and clearly you guys are more powerful than they are. And it's all because goodness granny, or granny goodness, goodness. she's not that good. Granny goodness is so entrenched in just wanting to prove that she can be as good as the guys that she can't see that she's just feeding into it. Mm -hmm. And it's awful. But I'm very hopeful that this is going to move in a... uh, more uh female empowered direction. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I imagine. You know, there's no way a book could be on the shelf these days if it's just all about putting down ladies. You know, this one was probably just set up for where they're going to take it next, you know. Right. And it, it part of the thing that makes it so kind of startling is that it's in very throwback style like style mm-hmm. so like the art is very like 70s very retro, yeah. very retro the coloring is bright and tacky and retro and it just looks like you picked it up from like 1982 and it's another like rogue comic where she's you know trying to be shown as hot or something i don't know it's it's ridiculous and so it's really hard to process because it's just all Mm -hmm. it's it's all there at once (laughs) fair enough so i if you're if you want to go in for the long haul once i read number two i'll be able to give you guys a better indication of whether this is this is the best thing ever or oh god what are they doing (laughs) cool so we'll know later This week in the news, new details emerge about the next Star Wars film, but is the source reliable? Reactions to pre-screenings of Avengers Endgame are so positive, people can barely hold it in. And Pennyworth comes to epics. What stories might await the Wayne family's trusted butler? These stories and more, right here on Cover B. So what's going on in the world? What's happening in the world? In the world of comics and such and loosely nerdy things that we feel like talking about. <laughs> I try to keep it when I talk about the news, I try to keep the news based around things that are at least somehow connected to comics. So mm-hmm. like even stuff like Firefly has a comic. Yeah. And but... Game of Thrones has a yeah. comic. I mean, I don't it counts. We don't have to be that strict about it. It's fine. 
I try to, I try to keep I try to keep We're it. going for a very specific demographic here. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> Y'all get our niche. Yeah. You understand us. Yeah. You anyway, relate. Roll anyway, on. right. No rolling. more no more meta conversation. <laughs> Let's roll forward. All right. Rolling on. So, rumor time cuz that's everybody's favorite. Yeah. Um, according to a mysterious post on Reddit because that is the <laughs> most quality... The best source yeah, ever. The most quality news you're ever going to get is going to come from anonymous sources on Reddit. Like that time they caught the Boston Marathon bomber. And it wasn't the Boston Marathon bomber at all. Not at all. Yeah. Anyway, what happened anyway, on Reddit? Star Wars Episode 9. The claim is that the title is Star Wars Balance of the Force. And, which, okay, whatever. Names don't really matter that much. And mm. this one's kind of like, well, duh. You know, they're going to balance the force. And blah. Even though that's pretty much what they talked about entirely in the last one. They've been talking about well, it you know, entirely name, since, like, all of them. Let's name this one that one. He was supposed to bring balance to the force. And nobody has. I don't think there is. It's no such thing. There, it doesn't exist. But anyway, so apparently the balance in this one is going to come. The rumor says that there's going to be a new big bad in this one because we need another big bad or something. Because the best thing to do in the third part of a trilogy is introduce a new character for us to give a shit about. Yes. So yeah. apparently this guy comes from a place called the Beyond, outside of the galaxy. And he's going to come here and he wants to destroy everything. Nice. And it's Thanos. Call it it. Basically. Thanos. He's coming here to snap That's them That's my too. theory. Thanos <laughs> is going to the Star Wars dimension because... Disney why can? Why not? Yeah, yeah. Because they can? Because yeah, yeah. the mouse deemed it so? It's going to be Thanos riding on the back of a xenomorph <laughs> on the top of the Futurama ship into the Star Wars universe. <gasps> That's how it's going to go down. I love it. Uh, yeah, that's how it's going to happen. I love it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I would I would pay to see that. You're going to, like, huck Hugh Jackman Wolverine at people. Just like, you know, like a throwing dart. <laughs> but are his claws heated, Chris? <laughs> Don't give me on the hot claws. <laughs> I am not in the mindset to go off on the hot claws thing again. The hot claws are like a parallel to the heated seats in the car. <laughs> but so, and this beyond, the claim is that it's, in theory, the Knights of Ren or the First Order is going to have to team up with the Rebels. Oh, it's going to be a team up one, guys, because that's what we all want. And they're going to have to fight the Beyonder. Oh, Lord. Beyonder. Good God. The Beyonder to save the galaxy and the universe. Secret Star Wars. Ugh. It's... And Everything then, about this offends me. And then Ray is going to get, like, an alien symbiote suit, and... I, I can't even, like... I, I, I My brain can't process how absurd everything about this is. Yeah, I... <clears throat> I don't know. I am not looking forward to this movie. <laughs> just in general. I have not been impressed by the first two. So, you know, episode seven and episode eight. Episode nine doesn't really have a lot to concern me. And if it's true that they're 
thinking of adding in characters and like adding convoluted plots like a team up and crap like that then i don't know like i don't know <laughs> that would have been a much better thing to start us off with yeah you know well but... and i read a thing online it was actually like a comment to the article that i read about this that made a good point and it's kind of like what you said and it basically discussed how if you're going to shoot a gun in act three you need to have had at least a picture of that gun on the wall in Act 1. And if you have a picture of a gun on the wall in Act 1, you better fire that sucker by the end of Act 3. Correct. And it's to keep the cohesion, to keep the logic, to keep the flow, so that people aren't constantly dealing with Snokes and Beyonders and crap that means nothing and is useless and we've been thinking about and stressing about and theorizing about for how many years and then it Mm -hmm. turns out to be nil and useless and a waste of our lives. Yeah, it's just, it's, this trilogy is just not handled well, hands down. You know what I mean? Like, sorry to all the fans out there of it. Um, first of all, why? Second of <laughs> all, uh, you know, you're allowed to like what you like. And they have their redeeming moments. And they're visually stunning. And some of the characters are pretty cool. Um, but overall, like, top to bottom, in my opinion, these have, they haven't been handled well as a cohesive story arc. They haven't been handled well individually on a directing standpoint. Like, the directing has been garbage. The writing has been pretty, like, off the wall and crazy, you know? And by no means am I one of those fans that's like, I could do it better. My ideas. Use my ideas. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) sure, I if somebody came in here with a paycheck and was like, hey, write a Star Wars movie. I would write one hands down. And it might suck. Who knows? But I am somebody who can have an opinion, and I also have a microphone in front of me. So my opinion <laughs> is that these have not been good. They haven't been well-directed. They have just been rehashing things and, like, doing weird stuff that doesn't matter and, like, introducing throwaway characters for no purpose. And none of the characters have any development or redeeming qualities Like, they all, and I literally, I think I've said this before, but I say it pretty much every time this comes into play. At the end of the, you know, episode eight, I have no reason, there's nothing left at the end of episode eight. There's literally no concern to come into episode nine. No. Like, there isn't, like, everyone's safe, and Kylo's being a bitch again, and it's like, (laughs) you know, there's literally nothing left hanging that is interesting enough going into episode nine. And so if they do introduce a new character, it's just funny to me because they could have built the story to where we're concerned enough to want that ninth episode. You know what I mean? Like we need to see how this resolves. Yeah. But instead they need to throw in a new big bad so they can put him in trailers so that people are like, whoa, who's that? And that's what's going to draw people to the theaters. And it's just stupid. It's just, it has not been handled well. Top to bottom. I agree. Top to bottom, 93% of those movies have not been handled well. And then there's like 7% redeeming qualities. Yeah. No, and I agree. I think the biggest thing they struggled with is just there was no plan. Mm-hmm. How are you going to make a trilogy when you don't have a damn plan for what the trilogy is supposed to say? Yeah, and I don't know if it's rumor or gossip or whatever, but that's apparently J.J. Abrams' fault. But... The what I've read in the past is that when they were looking to when Lucasfilms was looking to sell 
I believe they went to Lucas and they were like, hey, write us out a trilogy plan, like a plan, like this is how the next trilogy is going to go. And he wrote it out and they use that to kind of build themselves up to sell like, hey, look, we've got this next trilogy just waiting and Disney bought them. And when they went to make the trilogy, they wanted to get someone big on there. So they got JJ and he was like, hell yeah, I'll do it. But I want to do my own thing. I don't want to stick to this plan. So they mm. crumpled it up and threw it out the window. And with all my hopes and dreams. Then I believe he didn't do the second one because he had something else going on. Like, wasn't he supposed to be on for all three? And then he had something else going on on the second one. And that's why Rianne came in. Ryan. No, I think... Is it Rian or Ryan? I think it's Ryan. Nair. And I thought... But I thought what had happened was that he came on and they were like, are you going to do all three? And he was like... He, like, wrote the first one and then he was like, no. I only do the want to do the first one. So then they decided, oh, we're going to have somebody different do all three. Yeah. And they had different plans. And they had somebody else scheduled to do the third one. And then that person backed out. And so they were like... JJ was like, well, I'll fix it. Okay. So, I yeah. think. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. But, yeah, that's... From what I've read, and again, I don't know if that's gossip or whatever, or false or rumors. Like, I'm not claiming that to be 100% true, and that every article I read about it has 100% credibility. But that's how the saga happened. So that's why it has no plan, is because there was a plan, like a story plan, and it might have sucked. That might have been why they threw it out. Like, George Lucas isn't perfect. Like... That's true. You know, he, he has done some weird shit. Jar Jar ever, And if you've ever read his, like, original plan for Star Wars, it was odd. It was the 70s, but it was odd. Um, <laughs> even by their standards. Uh, but, you know, they, they had this plan set up, and then J.J. Abrams was like, no, not really. And threw it out, and didn't... Nobody took the time... And Disney didn't like a lot the time or the staff because they wanted to get that movie out. They wanted it to get out. And then by the time that ball got rolling, they were already working on so many projects that it became hard to find a time to kind of stop and be like, okay, where do we go? Because you got to think about it. They did, you know, episode seven and they did Rogue One and then they did episode eight. And then they started getting all these other movies like popping up and shows popping up and stuff. And then they did Solo. And by that point, by the time they started cutting back, we only had one movie left in the trilogy. So it's like, now is not the time to be like, how do we make this a cohesive yeah. story? How if do we had, fix it now that it's done? If they had found time between episodes seven and eight, they might have been able to like pump the brakes a bit and be like, let's take some time before we dive into production figure out how the next two movies are going to go off of this movie and then go from there and stick to that. But they just never really like, I feel like they never found, they were so excited to get it, start putting those movies out and raking in that dough, that they never really took a chance to be like, let's make this work. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's, let's bring this home and like make a unified story that goes three movies. And um, I don't know. It shows. It shows it 100%. Does. It really it, does. It 100% shows every, like, at this point, all the characters are just incredibly flat and kind of humorously tropic, <laughs> you know, yeah. if that's if that's a word there. It I is mean, now. And, uh, 
you know, the story was just so minimal when you look at, like, the grand scheme of... Nothing happened. The second movie, like, it was such a minimal story, and... It, it just feels like this, like, odd group, like, two groups of weird radicals in some, like, corner of the universe, like, having it out with one another. They haven't taken the time to make the First Order seem like this huge, like, grasping thing. Ominous just like they haven't presence. taken the time to make the Resistance seem expansive or important enough. You know what I mean? Like, they get trapped on that planet and they send out a distress call and no one comes. Is that because everyone's afraid of the first order or because they could only call like two people or like people saw the ring on their phone and they're like oh these guys click (laughs) you know what i mean are people screening their calls or you know was it really that dire so i don't know i just don't think they've handled them well and that's my rant yay so from the sound of it if this rumor is true the ninth one is going to be a mess and honestly, I expect it to be a mess anyway, so I'm not surprised. I'm only in it for Billy D. Yeah, right. I'm. It it took till the third one to bring him back. Lando Calrissian. It's just rude. Well, I also have some other movie news. Uh-huh. I don't have a lot of news this time. There was some stuff happened, but nothing that was really. Things happened. People yeah. talked. Yeah, stuff. Whatever. <laughs> Life goes on. So, but I thought this was. Penguins on the bus. <laughs> was hilarious so i wanted to share it so there's recently been some of the most random uh positive criticism coming from the initial screenings of avengers endgame which is good we're getting little little peeps little snips and while obviously what is being shown to the first screeners is not going to be what we end up seeing because it never is but According to the directors, their positive commentary or, or, or what they're calling um, the positive reflection from the screeners is that out of the first three out of the first four screenings, nobody got up to go to the bathroom during the entirety of the three hour movie. <laughs> nobody went pee. During the entire damn movie. I can't make it through the initial trailers of a movie without having to go take a pee. (laughs) So the fact that, I mean, it's a weird, funny thing to judge the validity and the quality of your movie by. But it's kind of legit. Like, if, if I managed to hold it for three full hours because your movie's that good... That means your movie is really, really good. Or y'all aren't selling beverages. <laughs> yeah, they were like, don't get any soda. You have to sit through this. No soda, no ices, no water, no beer. You get nothing. You sit there and you eat get your popcorn and you dry up like a sponge. You will be dehydrated. <laughs> Ick bean dehydrated <laughs> well, that's cool uh that's funny <laughs> but it's it's a good sign i want them to do one of those you remember when like paranormal activity came out and they did one of those trailers where it like focused on the crowd yes yes they, they should do. do one of those for in game 
And you just have a bunch of people like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Legs like, crossed. Yeah, strain, like tears coming down their eyes, and they're like. <laughs> That'd be funny. And it's an Avengers movie. So, what I want to know is okay, cool. Nobody went pee during the movie. But did they make it through the credits? What you don't know is that multiple people went pee and they were just like, F- it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, let it fly. Mm. Y'all clean up later. It was like one dude started it and someone next to him was like, oh, thank God. Oh. <laughs> hey, y'all peeing down there? Yeah, man. It's cool. He started it. Yeah, so like, do you get a diaper as you go into the movie? <laughs> like, is that part Avengers of- Endgame sponsored by Pampers. Because it's a three-hour film. Full right. three hours, yeah. which is 20 full minutes longer than the current longest <laughs> my Marvel poor, movie. My poor friends. Because I always, I always make them go see the premieres with me, but I'm not available until, like, after 10 on Thursdays. So we're going to have to go to like an 11 or like midnight showing and it's going to be like three hours and they all are babies and have to go to bed at like 8 p.m. It's going to be a rough morning. I'm going to have to meet them with a bouquet of five hour energy. (laughs) Will you go with me? I'm your density. (laughs) Cool. But yeah, so that's a, that's a positive Positive sounding look mm-hmm. at the upcoming film. Speaking of in-game real quick, I wanted to talk about how I thought this was cool and I hope it happens. Um, there's been a lot of weird, like, vague, cryptic talk about what's next for Chris Evans with Marvel. And, like, a few, like, I think one of the Russo bros was like, yeah, you know, it was really emotional when we wrapped Chris, but he's not done. And, like, stuff like that. But his contract's up. As an actor with Endgame, and everyone's yeah. pretty sure Cap, you know, kicks the bucket. Um, but apparently, he's been talking a lot about wanting to get into act or not acting. He, he really wants to get into acting. Um, <laughs> I think he'd be great. Yeah, he should try it. He's, he's got a, the face. I mean, he's a great actor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm stupid. Um, but yeah, he wants to get into directing and supposedly the rumor in the rumor mill fresh out the rumor mill uh whole cut rumor oats (laughs) is that he might be directing some of the stuff on disney plus now i think one of the shows is gonna be uh falcon and winter soldier i think they're having like a show together because can it be a buddy movie because yeah they're fun like buddy moments in uh, Civil War and stuff. That was great. Um, so that would be a great one for him to direct. But what I think is cool, I don't know how he is as a director. He's only directed like one film. I don't remember what it's called, and I never saw it. But it would be cool to get a director on these films that has already put so much of his heart and soul into that universe. You yep. know what I mean? Because that's yep. really an interesting concept because he has been in so many movies and done like seen these stories grow. So he's a great candidate for taking them and making them more small scope. Because they've got, like, the Vision, Scarlet Witch, they've got the Loki, they've got uh, Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier. Yep. Um, And that would be great. I think it would be cool if the Falcon and Winter Soldier one was about the two of them fighting over who gets B-Cap. That would be cool. Oh my god, that would be adorable. Anyway, Chris, go out there, do it. 
Uh, I think that would be really cool. Second thing I wanted to talk about, speaking of TV-related stuff, is Gotham is getting a prequel. Okay. The show Gotham. It's called Pennyworth. And it's about Alfred being a badass, apparently. It's about his, like, him before he worked for the Waynes. So it's like young Alfred. It's set in the 1960s in London. And its executive producer is Danny Cannon. It's got Thomas Wayne in it. Currently, casting, I believe, has been done for Alfred and Thomas. Jack Bannon is playing Pennyworth, playing Alfred. And Ben Aldridge is playing oh. Thomas Wayne. Um, it sounds cool. What's really neat is that apparently it's going to be like a dark, gritty, R-rated British murder mystery action series. It's like 10 episodes. It's going to have Batman villains, but it's also going to... Uh, canon mentioned that they have like access to villains throughout British literature. And that, like, we might see famous faces. And I guess in the interview, somebody asked him, what about Jack the Ripper? And he kind of, like, coyly played that off. Dude! And, um... That would be dope! So it's gonna be just this cool, like, quasi-Batman, but mostly just, like... I don't know, almost, like... I guess almost V for Vendetta-esque. Almost, like, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen-esque. It's like where... Bat-Bond. I don't know if he's gonna be... <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be like, yeah, it's like Batman. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be like post SAS or if he's going to be like still in the SAS. I don't know much about the SAS, but it's going to be cool. It's going to be on epics. Which I don't know what oh. that is. <laughs> oh, it's like, isn't that like stars and I guess, one of those? Yeah. It's like one of those. So I'm sure DC will probably put it on their thing. I imagine they will. I imagine they could. That seems like but, what they, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be like. Actiony and gory and creepy and badass and And dark. it's going to be in the Gotham universe? It's in the Gotham universe. It's a prequel to Gotham. What channel so is Gotham, Gotham on? Uh, FX? Which is a Fox property? Yes. It is. Gotham got canceled. Is Gotham technically owned by Disney? Well, I think that's why they got canceled. Oh. That's, my, that's my hunch. I haven't kept up with Gotham news because I haven't been watching it. It's one of my ones that I'm planning on getting caught up on. Um, I think it's FX. It might just be Fox. Still, that's but, so weird. <laughs> the mouse will own everyone. It's mm, just a matter of time. Let me see. Let me look that up real quick. Because that's fascinating. Pending. Yeah, it's on Fox. Man, so. it's literally like the mouse has his... But I'm assuming that's why it's getting... Because it's getting canceled. It's ending. Um... And I'm guessing that's why, because they couldn't keep it on that channel anymore, you know? Yeah. So. That's so funny, though. But yeah, I'm super excited for Pennyworth. That sounds badass. I've yeah, always loved dope. Alfred. He's so fun, even when he was kind of doughy and played by Michael Caine. Uh, I liked Michael Caine's. I, I did. I did like Michael I just, Caine. I, I, I just like Michael Caine. I do. Michael Caine. Tangerine. Tangerine. Yeah. I. Uh, he could... Michael Caine is Batman. Would have worked for me. <laughs> I, I would have found I, a way to make that. Michael Caine as Catwoman still would have watched it. Probably better than Halle Berry. <laughs> <Hey -o. laughs> 
shots fired. Get wrecked. <laughs> it won Razzies. I'm allowed to talk crap. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, Pennyworth. Check it out when it airs. Whenever that is. On whatever channel. Epics. Awesome. All right. So for our final segment, this week was the State of the Union mm-hmm. given by our president. Also it's- known as the Putin Puppet Pals. <laughs> they had a great great performance in front of the nation I read a thing that so you know like anagrams where you can like change the letters of words and it forms another thing mm-hmm. um, if you change the letters of Donald Trump's name it becomes Lord Dampnut <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Colin Mockery, for Lord Dampnut. Dampnut. It's my favorite thing. I'm on board. But anyway, so the State of the Union was yesterday. We're recording on Wednesday, BT dubs. Um, so the State of the Union was yesterday. It was supposed to be last week, but they canceled it. They put the kibosh because no one was working. And so they moved it to this week. So we thought, <laughs> in honor of politics and political stuff, that we would address... The weird ways politics are infused into comics. Mm -hmm. And they are infused in a lot of different ways. From making characters into political figures. To infusing real life political figures into comic books. Mm -hmm. To doing just weird stuff that's political that doesn't always make sense. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, one of the prime examples is obviously the Civil War event in Marvel. Civil War One, not Civil War Two, which was essentially just a bunch of superheroes being butthurt about stuff. <laughs> For those who don't know, because this is your first time listening to anything related to comic books, and you're actually like, what's a comic? Um, Civil War <laughs> was a crossover event in Marvel in sometime in the 2000s. Um, and it involved the U.S. government making a superhuman registration act which required all superhumans to be legally identified so if they had secret identities they had to be legally identified that identity would be public domain so it would be public record um and they would essentially become government agents of a sort belonging to the government um obviously a lot of people had problems with this and it was really epic and approached a lot of stuff, like it really approached the concept of a secret identity in ways that hadn't really been touched on too much, aside from like, most of the time when a secret identity comes into play in a story, it's like, oh no, Penelope is my prom date, but she's just saw me getting into my super butt man outfit. <laughs> How will, oh no, she thinks I'm super butt man, and then... <laughs> He, like, goes to Daredevil and it's like, can you pretend to be Super Buttman so Penelope doesn't think I'm Super Buttman? And Daredevil's like, who the hell are you? Get out of here. Um, I would so read Super Buttman. And yeah, that was my pitch to Marvel. And they said no. <laughs> That's what they passed on, folks. Um, <laughs> but... So that was... <laughs> That was typically how secret identities came into play in stories. 
It's like somebody might find it out or they do find it out and they're okay with it or they do find it out and they're not okay with it and stuff like that. But this really like let superheroes kind of give voice to why having a secret identity is important all the way to the point where Spider-Man gets coaxed into revealing himself from Tony. Tony is the Tony Stark is the head of the pro registration side Um, and Peter Parker gets convinced to have a press conference where he reveals himself and it actually results in him getting attacked by a bunch of his villains and he's on the run and having to hide and Aunt May actually gets shot I believe I think she gets sniped by somebody um, and she ends up there was a really badass moment where she feeds poison cookies to chameleon that was that was and badass um and then on the anti-registration side to everyone's like shock is Captain America Uh, He's kind of the head of that because his, even though he's all about the government and all about upholding laws, he also sees it as very totalitarian, which it is. It's making, you know, hardworking American citizens jeopardize themselves and become pawns of the government, essentially. If you saw the movie, they did a good job keeping up with kind of what it was all about. Um, it just wasn't long enough to really like flesh out a lot of the juicy bits, um, like the Spider-Man thing, but they did a good job kind of keeping to that tone. So that was, you know, one of the times when politics was used very successfully, I guess. I agree. In, as a storyline, you know? Yeah. Well, and then there's like everyone that's considered some sort of important character within the New York superhero something has been mayor or run for mayor mm-hmm. daredevil matt murdoch has been mayor kingpin is currently mayor j jonah Jameson was mayor mm-hmm. like everybody was mayor yeah and i feel like sometimes it makes sense like kingpin being mayor right now the way he got into mayoralship is because he like did his time and then he came out and he you know made this whole effort to prove that he's now one for the city and he's taking care of people and he wants to support his citizens. And it does a good job of utilizing his strength. And so it makes a lot of sense that he would be mayor in this circumstance. But it also kind of, in my opinion, cheapens it that like everybody's either been mayor or run for mayor or held Mm -hmm. public office in New York. Like, you're overplaying it. Like, it's been overplayed, to, in my opinion. To the point where I feel like J. Jonah Jameson being mayor was, like, kind of a big joke. Mm-hmm. And it's still a big joke. Like, yeah. he talks about, like, I was mayor. And it's like, nobody cares. Now you run a stupid podcast that no one listens to. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like... Are we J. Jonah Jameson? We are not nearly cool enough to be J. Jonah Jameson. But... <laughs> We'll get there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. To me, and I understand that, like, sometimes it holds a lot of value to have those instances where you have, like, for instance, Kingpin or whatever. But a lot of the time, I think when you do these interesting repeats of kind of similar paths for these characters, it does start to cheapen it. It starts to be like, oh, God, who's mayor now? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It devalues the importance of it. And it almost turns into a joke because now, like, 
if everybody's been mayor, the mayoralship means nothing. Well, I mean, the making somebody mayor or I think it's just an easy way to get a superhero in office because you can't really have a superhero be president. Like, I think it would be cool to make that, like, a big story arc. Like, a big, like, if Marvel and DC wanted to be like, this is our, like, big story arc right now. Have a superhero run for president. That would be badass. Didn't Loki? Yeah, Loki did the whole vote Loki thing. But it was kind of a joke, throwaway yeah, thing. go figure. Um, and then Wonder Woman, way back in the day, in, like, an imaginary tale comic, like, back in the 40s, was oh, president, geez. I think. And Superman's been president in various, like... Elseworlds and imaginary tale type stories. Um, but I mean, the mayor thing is common. On the DC side, Jay Garrick and Oliver Queen have both been mayor of their respective cities. Um, and I think Batwoman or Batgirl was actually a congresswoman for a while. Well, at least that's a little different. Um, I don't know if that was like an Elseworlds thing. I was doing some brief research on political stuff, but. Uh, you know, so it's easy to have them, and that gives them another thing. You know what I mean? It gives them another, like, platform to bounce off of. And But it's, I feel like for the most part, it's just used as kind of cheap throwaway story arcs. Like, we're watching Arrow right now, and Oliver Queen's running for mayor. And I think it does a lot for his character, personally. I don't know how it's going to pan out. Like I said, we're, like we've said, we're way behind on Arrow stuff, so I don't know if he's going to stay mayor. I think he goes to jail in the newest season, so I imagine not. Um, <laughs> but I think it's a really cool, like, it's doing some good stuff for his character. But on the other end, when somebody, you know, runs for mayor and it's just an excuse to have, like, you know, run into situations where Penelope might find out you're super butt man, then it's just frustrating. You know what I mean? When they use it where it's like, Mr. Mary, you have a press conference, and he's, like, heading to the press conference, and then he, like, hears a story about his arch nemesis blowing up a bank, and he's like, oh, God, but how do I press conference, you know? Yeah. Like, that's when it gets tough. But I think, it, you know, injecting political stuff in the sense of, like, making, giving it a political backdrop is a cool way to run a story. Now, if you take it to the extent of, like, I'm going to inject my politics into this then it can get kind of rough because you're gonna alienate people eventually. No matter what, you know what I mean? yeah. No, like, it's true. Make a superhero run for office and make him uphold the things he already upholds while in that office, and then you don't politicize it. You don't like lean it one way or the other because you know the nice thing, the cool thing about superheroes, and this is gonna get weirdly touchy feely, is that it doesn't matter if you're right or left. We can appreciate them. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. You, it's hard to find a superhero aside from, you know, there's people who would claim certain things and we don't want to, like, dive into, like, the whole diversity argument and stuff. But, um, you know, the, Batman isn't liberal, necessarily. You know, Superman isn't conservative, necessarily. So it's, like, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green Party, none of that matters when you read these superhero stories you know it doesn't matter if you're a libertarian or an alt-right person <laughs> heavy quotes um <laughs> you know you you can appreciate these superheroes so if you put them in office and make them stand for what they already stood for then there's no problems but if you put them in office and then are like yes 
crack knuckles. Here's my chance to push my political agenda. It's like, eh, you know, if you want to push your political agenda, get on an indie book, run a creative owned, like a creator owned book, you know, like the mainstream stuff. Just keep it, keep it universal. <laughs> you know, uh, that's why you write a new comic. Like, yeah. if if you know, you're writing about a character who's already got a well established voice and moral code just be consistent and true to the character don't necessarily alter it to kind of pigeonhole it into what you think is appropriate Mm -hmm. and i kind of i like what you said about like oliver queen and the arrow show and i think part of the reason why it works there in that circumstance is because it's isolated because he's the only one in the arrowverse that's run for mayor Mm. So it's got impact. It's yeah. got it's got isolation, and so it's important. yeah. I mean, I, I get I get what you're saying with the you know fact that like everybody has run for that the mayorship in New York is the Village Bicycle. I didn't even <laughs> you know, know I mean? that Daredevil had been mayor until I was actually reading the Chip Darsky Daredevil, and he was talking about how Kingpin's mayor and how yeah. you know he's on the hunt for the heroes, and he was like, you know, I was mayor, and I was like, I didn't know that. I now wasn't, I know. Wasn't Osborne mayor? Didn't yep. he get a mayorship? Yep. Yeah. See, everybody. And yeah. that's why it's kind of cheap in that instance, because in that specific universe, everybody's been mayor. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah, word. But I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, politics have a lot of weight on comics. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of the superheroes we know and love were created out of, like, Cold War paranoias about, like, nuclear stuff. You know what I mean? Like, 90% of Marvel's stuff was entirely, like, fashioned out of the idea of the atom and nuclear. You know, we have mutants. They call them children of the atom, you know. And we have... And, I mean, the X-Men, even in addition to their kind of Cold War ties, they, you know, dealt with segregation issues. Yeah. You know, and Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive spider and... You know, Superman's biggest weakness is a radioactive rock. Like, a lot of this stuff was developed in a time when there was a lot of politics going on, you know. And then we got into an area there for a while where there wasn't really a lot of, like, political fervor going on. But there was a lot of, like, anti-war stuff. And so a lot of the events and big, like, comic events were about, like, friend fighting friend and, like, Look at the tragedy of war as people die left and right. You know, like, Civil War, like, tons of people die, you know, like... Yeah. And that is what we were focused on, because we had the whole, like, war in Afghanistan rolling forward, like, rolling on. And then nowadays, if you read, a lot of comic writers tend to be writing about, like, bigotry and tyrants and leaders who aren't great leaders that may or may not have ties to the real world. So politics, I mean, any bit of literature or media, really, that you deal with is going to have signs of the big political moment, like movements. And comics are just an interesting medium because they're not only, like, art-based, but they're also written, and they're also made to be these, like, quick bursts of stories. So they have a lot of political heft in them in their own way i think again you know don't get like heavy-handed with your politicizing but like it makes sense if somebody's like 
wow, we have a very rocky presidentship going on right now. That inspires me to write this story, you know? Well, and I think it also does a good job of making politics palatable for people who otherwise don't want to sit around and listen to NPR. Yeah. Because, you know, I feel like, for instance, you were talking about how a lot of the comics were influenced by the Cold War. I think, you know, some of that was trying to help back in the day when comics were almost solely oriented toward children because of the change in the way they were done in the 50s. You know, I feel like a lot of that was oriented in trying to help kids process, like, we know you're having drills where you have to get under your desk. Mm. And it's okay to be scared because even Superman's scared of the Green Rock. Like, doing things so that children could process what was happening in the political world. And now even today, like, you know throw a funny comic book at someone and they're more willing to accept or or discuss or digest the ideas in that book than if you were to sit around and listen to a political pundit. Mm-hmm. So so who would make the best president? Mm. Janet Van Dyne. Okay. Hands cool. down. She knows how to run a huge organization. A, a corporation, an actual like retail business. She's a business con- person. She's incredibly well connected. She's incredibly smart. She's charismatic and great at communicating. She has a very tumultuous past, but has overcome it. And I think all of those things would make her an incredible president. And, you know, it doesn't hurt that she's a lady. Yeah, fair. I can't argue with that. Nice. That's a good answer. Thank you. I'm going to go with Bizarro Superman. (laughs) What? Because, yes, he says the exact opposite of what he means, but at least he's up front about it. Huh. I don't, I don't hate that. <laughs> it kind of makes sense. Like, if they're going to lie to us they're anyway, they're going to do it anyway. No, yeah. it's a guarantee. At least lie. it's their shtick. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. I'm over here, like, making friggin' Janet for president signs, and you're like, no, this makes sense. This is logic. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, I got this. Yeah. In all honesty, I would probably vote. For if I it was if I was picking a real person, I would go with kind of tied between two. Either okay. Barbara Gordon Ooh, because I love she is the moral kind of grounding force of the Bat family That's in a lot true. of ways. Yeah. She is young, hip, idealistic, um, has been through some shit and hasn't let her let it like slow her down. And just seems like a really driven individual. Or The Flash. Which one? uh, Barry. Always Barry. Because, well, I don't know enough about Wally West, to be honest. But Barry's smart, very focused, very, like, organized for the most part. But still friendly. Still cares about the little people. You know what I mean? And, I mean, look at, like, if you look at Central City, like, he is probably one of the most beloved characters in his hometown you know and like he they have like a museum to the flashes and like statues erected of him and like 
you know, he obviously is doing something, right? No, so. that makes sense. I like that. I love I love Plus that. it would be great having like a political debate and then suddenly his opponent's pants are just down. <laughs> They're like oh, 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 you know. That'd be, that'd be that'd be that'd so be I do like the idea of Babs though, because her daddy's a commissioner. So mm-hmm. it's not not like she doesn't understand politics. Yeah, and like I said, she was a congresswoman. Yeah. So, so. she gets it. I'm down. I'm in it. Yeah. I'll feel it. So vote. Bizarro Superman Solomon Grundy 2020. Really? Grundy? Grundy VP, yeah. He's got more personality than Pence. <laughs> but they both have white hair, so it works. It's not much of a change. See, I was going to go Team Grodd, man. <laughs> Grodd? Mind-controlling gorilla? Well, at least we know up front that he's trying to control our minds. Yeah, right. I like the consistency of knowing what we're getting up front. I actually, you know, I'm going to change it. It's Bizarro and Joe Biden. Because I feel like Joe Biden would really enjoy hanging out with Bizarro. (laughs) Bizarro would be like, me hate you, Joe. And Joe would be like, me hate you too, buddy. Give him the point and smile. (laughs) I'm down. I'm I'm voting. That's my vote. I'm in it to win it, you guys. Well, that's it for this week. Woohoo! We did it. We are done. Done now. You'll never hear from us again. Until next week. <laughs> <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> so, um, hold on. I'm going to predict. Keep it. I'm going to do a magic trick for you folks, okay? Oh, God. I'm sorry. In she advance. didn't feel, fill me in. On anything she was going to say in the closing, I'm going to predict it all. Oh, jeez. She's going to tell you about our social media sites. Damn it. He's right. Well, thank you for joining us. If you want more Cover B, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Cover B Podcast. Damn it, Chris! Now she's going to mention our website. You can find us online and listen to all of our different places that we're on. All of the different places you listen to podcasts. You can go to coverbepodcast.weebly.com. Damn it. Hold on. Something's coming through. From the beyond. Yes? Okay, I'll tell them. She's going to tell you to follow us on Instagram. Your follow is bold. We both have followers. We do. They're, they're fun. He posts cats. I do, and food. Cats and food a lot. I and me being selfies. stupid. Yeah. Selfies, and sometimes selfies of me in a costume. Hold on. The crystal is telling me something. She's going to thank you for listening and tell you to get more in the next episode. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you stay tuned for next week for our next episode of Cover V. Magic! Damn it! Ah! Magic. Wait, I think I think he might be Grodd, because that felt like mind control to me. <laughs> I am a bumbling ape. <laughs> 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 <laughs>